Welcome to the Normalizing Millions podcast. I'm a mama of two little girls, owner of a seven-figure and growing coaching company, and I'm your host, Taylor Lee. My mission is to normalize women making millions from work that feels absolutely effortless. Your work changes lives, and with my help getting it into the hands of more people, your life can radically change too. Just don't blink, because with the right tools and advice, all of which me and my incredible guests will share with you in each and every episode, it can change fast. All right, let's dive in to this week's episode. Hello, you guys. I am so excited for the guest that I have to share with you today. This is actually one of my clients and I had to bring her on the podcast. I just love the work that she's putting into the world. You guys know I love to talk money and you guys know I love to talk money systems and that is what Nikki is all about. So today's guest is Nicole Peterkin Morong. Nikki is a small business money expert, a certified financial planner, published author, and she helps small business owners make smart choices with their money and gain true financial stability. At 33 years old, she's implemented all of the right systems to have her husband retire, move across the country, and live their dream lifestyle with zero financial stress. And today, she wants to share with you how she did that so that she can help you guys do the same. I'm so here for it. I cannot wait for this conversation. So let's jump in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Normalizing Millions podcast. Today, I am here with Nicole Peterkin. Hi, Nicole. I'm so excited to have you. Hi, I'm excited to be here. So um, I already said a bunch about you in the intro, but do you mind telling people just a little bit about you and, and even more specifically like your story? Sure. Um, so I've had a financial planning practice for about 11 years. Um and early on, uh, as I grew and scaled my business, I just started realizing that um, no matter how much more money I made, I didn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of like financial freedom and true financial security. Um, and I was getting so frustrated because it's like, this is what I do for a living. Like I literally tell people what to do with their money so that they can really live the life that they want and be able to optimize their finances. But just like the challenges of being an entrepreneur and like not having the right systems around my money just kept getting in the way. And it was beyond like, I had a, an accountant, I had a bookkeeper, I had attorneys, I was paying all of these people who are like supposed to be experts to help me do the optimization. But it's like, I had a full-time employee and overhead and things going on. And it just never felt like there was enough to do all the things that I wanted. Um, so I built a system around my finances, was able to retire my husband, um, move our family to California and like really live our ideal lifestyle. And now my focus is on teaching other entrepreneurs how to do the same, like how to, you know, have all the money that they need to do all the things that they want um, and to be really optimized financially by using systems. I love that about your story because you are a financial planner 
but you've dealt with the same things that I feel like everyone listening to this can so relate to that. Like, I feel like at some point, it's almost like a rite of passage. We have to go through that of like, where's all the money even going, (laughs) you Uh know? So I love that you can really relate to that. So honestly, that's what I really want to dive straight into is this feeling of like, either it goes out faster than it comes in, or just like it comes in, it all goes out. It just feels like we're just chasing money. And we don't have that, like what what people in, in my world call overflow. Like we want overflow. We want our savings to build. We want to be able to live our dream life and do all these things. And I think it can be surprising when, um, I mean, I don't know where your business was at at that point, but it's like, I mean, you can easily get to six figures and feel like, wait, like I still feel broke. Oh, 100%. I mean, that was the most frustrating thing to me is my first year in business. I started my business in March, my first year in business or my first nine months, I made like 98,300 and something dollars. So like essentially my first year in business, I made a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And I was like in my early twenties, I think I was like 21 or 22 years old. And I'm like, Whoa, I'm making a shitload of money. Let me invest this money because if I can make a hundred thousand dollars, first of all, like what can I do it again? Right. Can I replicate this, but can I also grow? And so I was growing my business revenue by like 20% or more every single year. And I was heavily reinvesting in my business. I was like, you know, spent $50,000 on a coaching program, spent 10,000, you know what I mean? Just like reinvesting like crazy, trying to get to 250,000, trying to get to 500,000, like trying to like chase those shiny numbers And every single year I'd hit my revenue goals, hit or exceed my revenue goals. And I still didn't have substantially more to be able to do things with like my lifestyle increased, but like my bank accounts weren't reflective of my professional success of like my, my like entrepreneurial success. And that was so frustrating. Totally. So what was the first step? I mean, what was your first step? What's the next first step for someone who's like this? Yeah, this is exactly how I feel. So from, if you want to follow my path, (laughs) the first step for me was really figuring out like, what does my ideal life look like? Right. Because all of my goals, and I, I mean, you guys can probably relate to this. All of my goals were around my next revenue number, like how much more money I wanted to make that year, or they were like super long-term like, and, and kind of like nebulous. So it's like, yeah, I want that vacation house, but it's like, do I really want this vacation house? Oh, I want a house on, on both coasts. Like I want a house in California and a house in Boston, or I want to retire at 50. And like, I'm saying this when I'm like 25 or 40. And I'm saying this when I'm 25 and it's like, okay, all of that stuff is so far out, but like, I wasn't focused in on like, what do I want my life to look like day to day? Like what kind of vacations am I taking now? How often am I taking them? What does that cost? How much money am I spending? Do I go out to dinner with friends three times a week? If I have kids, do I have a nanny? Do I have like, what does my ideal lifestyle today really look like? And how would I want to grow it? So for me, it was really like, writing down what is all the money that I think I need to do all the things that I want in life and writing that down. Like what's the net spendable income? Because the top line revenue number doesn't matter if it's, if you're not keeping any of it, or if you're not taking home a substantial amount of it. So I think at that point I wrote down, um, when I first started this, I wrote down that I wanted $500,000 of net spendable income. And then I said, how much do I want? How much of this is lifestyle income? So how much of this am I like spending every day on like 
the groceries, my mortgage, the blah, blah, like all of that kind of stuff. Travel, how much of that is getting my financial house in order money and how much of it is aside for like future goal funding. And then by looking at that, I was like, oh, I don't actually need $500,000 a year of net spendable income to live my ideal life because no matter what I write down, like if I'm visioning what I really want, it doesn't cost $40,000 a month to live the life that I want. It costs maybe $20,000 a month to live the life that I want and be super happy. And that's even a lot. Like that's me like we're flying first class places. So like getting numbers on that, um, getting like actual um, lifestyle things around those numbers is life-changing and really helps you like rein it in. So good. Yeah. I, I've found that too. Like we tend to think that what it's actually going to cost is actually a lot more than it really does. And that can be, cool. that can be motivating when you realize like, Oh, well, 20 K, I mean, that that's still a lot of money, right. To be taking home, but it's a lot less than 40 K <laughs> a month. Right. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, and it's about like, it's funny because when I sit down, I realize at this time, like when I sit down with clients who are self-employed and I'm like asking them to do a budget or to like talk through like how much money they're actually bringing into their household and what they're spending. And you're talking to them about like, okay, you're, you're paying for the things for your kids. You're going on vacation every year. You're living in the house that you want to be living in. You're not that much. You're not that far often from like the life that you really want. Like you're already kind of, you've already kind of moved into that place. So you might feel like you're getting you're tight or you're getting choked or whatever by your expenses and that you would life would be so much better if you could just like buy the shoes without worrying about it or you know go out to the expensive dinner or whatever without worrying about it or stressing out like you're probably not living that much further from where you are and and when you look at the numbers you might be spending ten thousand dollars a month now thinking that you need to bring in you know you might Sorry, you might be spending $10,000 a month now, making $250,000 a year. So like your business is bringing in $250,000 a year, you're spending half of it, you have 50% net profit, and you're thinking, I need to make a million dollars. If all you need is $2,000 a month more or $3,000 a month more or $5,000 a month more to live the life that you really want, you don't need to 4X your revenue to be able to do that. You can, but like, you really don't need to. So it's like the, what is this for? And how do I just like, can I increase the amount of profit that I'm taking home? Or can I be a little bit more intentional about where my next couple of clients are coming from or like what income stream that revenue is coming from so that I'm not working that much harder. And I really do have the ease and I can live the lifestyle that I want with less stress and more discretionary time. And I think that that's really like the conversation that you need to be having. And like, that's the exercise. Okay. So one thing I heard, you did use the word budget, but I feel like when you're using the word budget, you're like, let's make your like right now dream life, like what that actually costs kind of budget where I think, um, which is the cool part of being in a business is most of us in there's some way where essentially you can make as much money as you want in your business. And that's, what's different about this conversation and what you do than like, I think what a lot of us see with like all the personal finance stuff that's like viral on TikTok. And like, mm -hmm. I just think people think like, okay, if I feel tight with money, I need to like get rid of everything I spend money on. I mean, is there a part of your process that has to do with like that type of budgeting or like, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I'm like a non-traditional 
budget kind of person, if that makes sense. Like when people come to me with these budgets that are like a spreadsheet or like, you know, uh, a documentation of like, and then I spend a hundred dollars a month getting my hair done. And then I spend $20 going out to lunch. Like that doesn't work for me. My life. And I'm sure you guys can kind of relate to this a little bit is like, things change really, really fast for me. Like I'm a go, go, go. You're in business, your business changes, your life changes, everything changes this week. I might want to go, you know, to Italy next week. I might want to like spend a month in, in Maine or something like it. Things change really, really fast. My goals change. My priorities change where I want to live changes. Everything changes. So I can't have a budget that's to the penny. That's trapping me. I can't feel trapped by like the, the sacrifice or the restriction. So I look at it more as, um, how much money are you actually making right each month now or later? It doesn't matter. You can do this on your current or you can do this on your ideal life income. It's how much money are you bringing in after taxes? How much of it do you want to save? Saving is for future spending. Just to clarify, like saving is not investment. Saving is not saving is literally just like I'm going on vacation next year or my kids going to camp in a few months. I need savings to spend on that. So it's just short-term spending savings. Um, how much of it do you want to invest? So investing is like letting your money grow for you so that it can work hard for you for future goals. It's like another income stream is investing. And then how much of it do I actually want to spend? So I take off the savings off the top, the investing off the top, and then whatever's left over, I figure out like, what have I already committed to? So like your mortgage, your rent, your car payment, your things like that, out of what's left over, that's like your fun money. That's like, if you have $5,000 left over, I don't care if you spent 2,500 of it on like a really expensive dinner or, you know, buy a Birkin bag or whatever. Like, I don't care what you spend that money on, but like you can go out to lunch every single day and go out to dinner every night and buy drinks and stuff or, or whatever, but you just can't spend more than what's left over. So it's about like, how much leftover do you have now? And looking at how should you be spending it so that it's in alignment with your values and your ideal life today? Because right now, if you only have $5,000 leftover after everything is said and done, great. But like you can spend that $5,000 really intentionally and get like maximum joy out of that. You can like go on the crazy trip. You can buy the, you know, shoes that you want. You can go out to dinner. You can fly your parents in to like see the grandkids. You can do whatever the heck you want. Like $5,000 is a lot of money. But if you just kind of like spend it without being intentional about what's actually bringing joy to your life and what is just like slipping through the cracks, then it's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts and you're going to feel like you're suffering, right? So it's look at how much you have now and how much more does that number need to be in order for you to really feel like you have the overflow. And then you kind of work around it. Like I'm oversimplifying it. There are obviously like there are systems, there's templates, there's things that you need to set up to like make it work. But um, that's really the exercise is figuring out like, am I even spending intentionally to, to begin with what, with what I have left over? Or is my money just kind of like slipping through the cracks on things that I don't care about? And that's why I feel like crap about my money situation. I love that. So once someone gets clear on, on this, and I just, I love how it's like intentional, like what actually matters to you that way? Like, I feel like we hold so much like shame and guilt around what we spend money on. And then it makes that like a lot going out feel even worse. Where like, technically, if you have the money for a lot to go out, that should feel kind of good. You should feel like mm -hmm. you have a lot of freedom and flexibility. So once someone gets clear on that, 
I kind of want to touch on some of the like habits and systems that you've put in place to make sure that you're like maintaining that. So one thing I talk a lot about with, with my clients and on the podcast, like I've talked about a million times is like having a weekly money date. So like, what does that look like for you? So honestly, I don't really do weekly money dates anymore. Um, my weekly money date is probably like an every other day money date. And it's a matter of like opening up my banking app. Um, I'm big on simplification, right? Like I don't want to have like 10 different credit cards everywhere anymore that are all like for different points for different, whatever that like require my brain power to maximize. I don't want like a million different bank accounts. I open my bank account. I do a spot check of where my business revenues are, um, cash flow is going and what's happening and making sure that I understand what's going on and that nothing, there's no red flags. And I look at my personal credit card is one app and my personal bank account is another app. And then kind of just see like, okay, how much money do I have in savings? How much is in my checking? Have I done the proper allocations, that kind of thing. And it's literally just a spot check to make sure that I didn't like overspend. And sometimes for me, it's really a matter of just like, Hey, I put some money on my credit card. I'm going to make an extra payment this month. Like I'm somebody who will make like 10 or 15 payments to my credit card in a month, just because I'm like using it for cash back. And I want to make sure that my cash, that I, that I actually have a pulse on what cash I have available at all times. So I love that. No, that that's where I feel like you and I are similar is we're like the simplest way is like the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, especially being moms as well, which a lot of people who listen are moms are just like, this isn't our, you don't want to sit down for hours a week and look at all of your money. Like that's not really that fun. Um, do you have a system in place for like taxes, tax saving? Cause I feel like that's another place where a lot of people struggle to be able to make those tax payments. And that just feels like this big thing that's like weighing on them. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do have a system um, around taxes and it really is. Okay. So you can do this at any time, right? Usually I do this at the end of the year um, for the upcoming year. I kind of look at all of the big areas that I'm going to spend money for like in terms of like business expenses and then I look at personal expenses that can be categorized as business. So if you're not aware of like what the difference is, like if you're not aware of whether like your business should pay your car payment or whether you should be personally paying your car payment and that kind of stuff, like if you're not aware of like what of your spending can be deducted or not, then that's a conversation with your accountant or that's like, right, that's like research that needs to be done. Um but it's basically about looking at how much revenue I'm estimating and all of the expenses that I think that I'm going to have um, tax deductible and not deductible on my business. And then having a conversation with my accountant about like, hey, if I am projecting this much revenue and I'm projecting these are my expenses, what's my tax situation going to be? Right. And then it's every quarter. I'm checking in with her before I make my quarterly payment. So every quarter I'm reaching out and saying like, hey, my bookkeeping is up to date, right? Because you need to have your books up to date, whether somebody else does it for you or not. So like, hey, my books are reconciled through, you know, April after the first quarter. Can you take a quick peek? And should I be paying more or less or the same as what's projected? 
Um, and then she tells me. And so part of the tax system is making sure that out of every single dollar that comes into your business, you're automatically pushing a percentage of that money into a tax account so that there's actually cash there and you're not spending money that you know that you're going to have to give to the IRS. But the other piece of it is making sure that you're not just operating on false information and tax quarterly estimates that are based on your revenue that you expected that's 50% less than what you actually made is false information. <laughs> so like, yeah, then at the end of the year, you get a tax bill for $50,000 when you thought you already paid your taxes, you know, and the money's not there. So um, it's just about communication. I think like the number one thing with your finances, with, with taxes, with your revenue, with your operating expenses, it's making sure that you have the right team in place, right? And you can be the team or you can have yourself, an accountant, a bookkeeper, a financial planner, a whoever, right? Um, but you just need to make sure that there's communication going on and that you're not autopiloting, that you're like dipsticking, even if it's only like once a quarter, you're making sure that you're checking in to say like, oh, I thought I was only going to make $200,000 this first half of the year and I'm at 400. I guess I can't pay the same amount of taxes this year or I'm really going to get bit later. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's like having the right people on your team. Game changer. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it, you can really simplify it, but there's a reason why accountants exist and financial planners exist and they, they can make your life a whole lot easier when you have those in place. And then, like you said, like not avoiding it, communicating on it. I think it's like, I mean, and this is what you teach, but I think it's just so much power just getting the systems in place. It's, it's the people who really avoid the systems that they get overwhelmed. They don't have the money for the taxes. And like, it feels stressful and not fun to get the systems in place sometimes, but I swear to everyone listening to this, your life will be so much better <laughs> when you do it. Well, right. And like a system is like the mechanism by which you do something. So like yeah. not doing anything, like not checking in with your accountant until the end of the year or not having an accountant and trying to fund your taxes on your own. Like that is a system. You have a really system around your taxes, but you do have a system. Yeah. And so people are like, oh, systems, this sounds expensive. Like, yeah, you're in business. Everything is expensive. It really sucks, but it's true. Right. Um, so, but the system around every single thing you do is the who, the what, and the how, right? So every single area of your money, of your finances should have a who's handling this. It can be one person or multiple people. It can be a software. It can be whatever. What are they doing? They're doing your bookkeeping. They're filing your taxes. They're making sure that your um, business expenses are in alignment with what you projected or are in alignment with your revenue in terms of a healthy percentage. And then the how is the I'm checking in with my accountant at the end of every quarter to check to see if I am, should be paying more or less in terms of quarterlies. And then who's making the payment to the IRS? I am, right? If I have to make three smaller payments instead of one big payment because I didn't plan well, whatever. That's what you have to do. But it's like, you have to have the system. And like the biggest mistake that people make, I think is like they hire somebody and they expect that person to care more about their financials than they do. And it's like, if you're putting your head in the sand, not communicating or like other things are taking priority over your financials and you're expecting your accountant who has thousands of clients, at least probably a thousand clients, if not more, to reach out to you and say, hey, did you pay your quarterly estimate? Did you make more last quarter than you thought that you were going to make? Did you make less? Like, 
at the end of the year, you're going to be complaining that your accountant sucks. You're going to have a tax bill that you're not expecting, and you are going to have the financial stress. And it would take you two seconds to reach out. It's a quick email to my accountant at this point, every single quarter, at the end of every single quarter to say, hey, sent my bookkeeping keeper the stuff. Everything's reconciled. Can you take a quick peek? Done. Pay the. It's not hard, right? We overcomplicate this and make it hard and make it a big thing. It's not. I love it. Truth bombs. (laughs) Telling it how it is. I'm here for it. So let's just talk a little bit about investing because I feel like that's the thing, like retirement, investing into your future stock market. Like I feel like all of us want to do that and like build a ton of wealth, but it also can feel like the most complicated thing ever. So like in terms of someone who's a business owner, like, when do we even start thinking about this? What are the one or a couple of things that you think are even important? Like, can you just simplify that conversation for us? <laughs> <laughs> Investing is not hard. You just need to do it. Um, I don't know. I know. I know that it feels like this nebulous thing, right? Because it's not intuitive to us. Um, I, I think you need to start thinking about investing. If once money is coming into your household, like you're paying yourself. So I think that there's this thing where people say like, oh, I'm not even paying myself yet. I used to hear that a lot. And then you look at somebody's numbers and it's like, well, you transfer money from your business account to your personal account and you pay bills. Like you pay personal bills. You are paying yourself. You might not be on payroll. You might not have any rhyme or reason to it or system around the payroll, but you are paying yourself and you're paying taxes on that money because it's coming to your personal household. If money is coming in to your personal balance sheet, you should be investing. And I don't care how much it is. It doesn't really matter in the beginning what kind of account it's going into. And that might seem weird coming from a certified financial planner, but it's like the more excuses that you make up about why you can't invest, AKA, I don't know if I want to put it in a college fund or a general fund or whether I want to do retirement or whether I care about this or that, or like, I don't know if I want to invest in um, this in mutual funds or stocks or bonds or whatever, like the more complicated that you make it, all that does is procrastinate, right? Like you're procrastinating and you're losing time and time is money when it comes to investments. So investing is literally as easy as setting up an account with a, you can, you can, there are a million like robo advisors. I think I just did something about this on Instagram, but like there are a million robo advisors, right? There it's a robo advisor is basically a fancy word for software that will dummy proof your investing. So you haven't figured out who you want to help invest for you yet. You don't know what kind of account, you don't know what investments to buy. Like it's as easy as like opening your Starbucks, like joining a Starbucks and like adding money to your adding $25 to your Starbucks card. That's how easy it is to invest. It's literally open an account. If you don't know what kind of account, just do a general investing account to make sure that you're investing, open an account with a robo advisor, like Betterment or Wealthfront or something like that. And it will literally have you take like a quiz, like a little 
how old are you? How long is the time horizon for this money? Do you want to be aggressive or conservative? You pick those things and you transfer some money in there. It can be $25. It can be $1,000. It doesn't matter how much, but investing is literally as easy as opening account, putting money into a diversified portfolio, and they pick the portfolio for you. So there's no reason for you to not invest from the beginning. If you're like, topping off your Starbucks card every week, you can top off your investment portfolio every week too. And as you see more money going into your portfolio and you kind of start understanding like, oh yeah, the money's growing. Here's what's happening, blah, blah, blah. That helps build confidence so that now you're not so afraid of it. And now you can actually like, now you have money where you could actually go to somebody to get help where you have an anchor. You're not scared. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of like dipping your toe in. So when should you start thinking about investing now? And it doesn't matter how little money that you think that you're making. Um, because I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make as they start earning more money and like the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make is comparing themselves to people who aren't making as much money as them or to their prior self who wasn't making as much money. Um, because when I was making like 60K a year, I thought $1,000 was a lot of money. And then when I was making $300,000 a year, I thought $1,000 is a lot of money. You're making $500,000 a year. $1,000 is always a lot of money, but as a percentage of how much money you're making and how much your lifestyle costs, it's like nothing. So that's the other thing is like, it's really easy to feel really good about like, oh, I maxed out my IRA and put $6,000 in there. Well, $6,000 is like, what is that less than 1% of what you make? Like that's not substantial. So as you make more money, you need to be investing at a higher level. So you might as well get into the habit of doing it now, small in whatever accounts you can. And nobody's ever upset that they have like too much money in a certain account, right? Oh darn, I have, you know, I have this in the wrong account, but it's been growing for me and I'm, and I'm up 20%. Like, okay, great. You'll find a way to spend it. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, I mean, I'm sure this is part of your process with clients and I'm sure there's like a lot of like personalized stuff that goes into it. But what about for someone who's like curious, like, well, how, how much, like, I know you're saying like start small and just get into the habit of it, but is there like a standardized percentage? I know you mis- mentioned percentages. Like what's your thoughts on that? I mean... The truth is, it's like, it depends what your goals are. And I think that every, well, I would like to say that everyone's goal should be work optional because I really think that work optional is true financial independence. But I understand that like some people are obviously going to say like, well, I love work. I love, you know, I never want to stop working. I never want to stop making money. My money's on autopilot, blah, blah, blah. Sure, sure. That's great. But like, if that's true, why not have more money anyway? (laughs) Why not have more money to go on vacation? So I think that like, it's easy to say that you don't care about retirement or you don't care about the option to not work when you're like loving your job and you're loving your clients and you're healthy and your family's healthy and everything is going well. But like the second things start going wrong, money gives you options, but money only gives you options if you like steward it properly and do the right things. So when you want work optional to be a reality, 
determines how, what percentage you should do. Like there, I know Taylor, you're like interested in the fire movement. Like, yeah, you can retire in 10 years, but you have to have an incredibly high savings rate. And like your savings rate might have to be like 50 or 60% of your revenue or of your income of what you're spending in order to replace your income in like five or 10 years. Right. Um, I think the average person should probably be investing 20% of what they're bringing in if they really want their money to be working harder for them and to really build up that financial security and independence. But it's hard to say exactly because it depends on how much of that money you're spending. Because there are people who like bring in $100,000 a year and their lifestyle is so small that like, yeah, they they're bringing in $100,000 a year after tax and 50,000 of it is going into a savings account. Like, okay, if you don't spend a lot of money, you know, you don't need to, to save or invest, you don't need to invest 20% to replace that $50,000 of income in yeah. 30 years. You can and do it faster. Um, but yeah, I think the percentage really depends on what your goal is, what the time horizon is for your goal, and how much money you need. So if your goal is work optional, it's how much money do you need in net spendable income per month in order to make work optional a reality? So like if you had $10,000 a month after tax coming in without you taking on another client, would you actually be able to stop to shut down your business, put up a sign on the door and say like gone fishing? If the answer is yes, then your number is $10,000 a month. If the answer is no, then it's like, what's that number? Is it 12,000? Is it 15,000? So pick that number. And then it's by what date would you like this to be possible? So it doesn't mean that like you have to do it, but you know, if for you in 10 years, you'd love that to be possible, then you're saying by, you know, it's 2022 by 2020, 2032, you know, by, by my birthday, by June 27th, 2032, I would love for $10,000 per month to be possible to come into my household every single month after tax, um, without me doing one thing with me, like shutting down my business. Okay, cool. And then you, you have to reverse engineer the percent, the more money you make, the lower the percent is that you would have to put away to be able to make that a reality. Yeah. I love it. So good. Well, thank you for sharing all this. I feel like this is going to be really helpful for people who are, who are struggling with that feeling. Um, do you want to take a second and let everyone know like where they can find you if they're like vibing with what you're sharing? Sure. Um, I am on Instagram at Peterkin Financial. Um, my website is peterkinfinancial.com. It's literally Peterkin Financial.com. And those are the two main places. I love it. And we'll link all of that in the show notes. So it'll be easy to find. Thank you, Nicole, for taking the time to share all this with us. Awesome. No problem. It's fun to be here. Awesome. Bye everyone. If you love this week's episode, can you do me two quick favors? Number one, take a screenshot of the podcast app you're listening on right now, or take a photo of where you're listening to the podcast at, post it on your stories and tag me. I'm at underscore the Taylor Lee. First of all, I'm going to squeal in excitement to hear from you, and I will even share it with my audience. Number two, 
If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, can you take a second and leave a quick five-star review? These two things mean the absolute world to me. They make my day. And honestly, as a podcast creator, these are the two things that you can do to help me get my message in front of even more people. Thank you so much. And I cannot wait to talk with you in next week's episode.